Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, everybody. And this is a little bit of an unusual night. As we're coming to you on a Wednesday night, but there's no one here but me and God at uh, the building where we meet as Temple Baptist Church. And uh, the reason there's no one here tonight is because our church has been uh, hit with this uh, respiratory virus that's going around. I'm not sure if anybody has had COVID or who's, some have had COVID. I'm not sure who's had COVID and who's not, but but I will say this, it has not been fun the last two weeks, and uh, we have not met as a church body in quite some time now, but we are going to be meeting this Sunday night, and I'm, I'm not Sunday night, Sunday morning, I'm sorry, it's night, so I've got my, my brain thinking evening, but uh, we're going to be meeting Sunday morning. We'll be here for Sunday school at 10 a.m., and then the morning service at 11, and we'll be back for the evening service at 6 o'clock on Sunday, so I want to I want to encourage you if you're feeling well if you're able to be with us and and I don't mean that you're not coughing at all because let's be honest we're all going to cough as we get over this it'll take us quite some time for us to all stop coughing but we can still be together in God's house if we're not running a fever and we're not contagious we ought to be able to cover our mouths and be together so I encourage you to come if you're able now if you are sick please stay home and and get well and we'll be praying for you in the meantime. But I do want to lift up the prayer, especially all of those of our members who are still sick with this, and especially the more vulnerable members of our church, the older ones. And I just want to ask God to uh, to uh, give them the healing that they need and I want you to know that your prayers, uh, our prayers are with you. We're lifting you up in prayer daily and uh, often as we as we think about it. So it's good to be in, in God's house, even if, if I'm the only one that's physically here. It's still good to be in this building. I can tell you that... that uh, sheltering at home or whatever you want to call it, it's it's not all it's cracked up to be. Uh, those walls close in after a while. But I'm glad to be standing here in our building, and I'm glad to have the Word of God open in front of me, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to get right into this message tonight, and I'm going to preach just like there's a house full because I feel like preaching tonight. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's ask God to meet with us. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you, and I ask you, Lord, to meet with us tonight, Lord, as we meet, Lord, not in person, but electronically. Father, I'm thankful for our church members. I'm thankful for each one who will tune in and watch this broadcast and join in spirit, Lord. And, and Father, we know that you're able to do all things, and, Lord, you're certainly able to use this electronic media and reach out, Holy Spirit, into the hearts of men and women and boys and girls who will listen to this. Father, help us glean uh, some truth and some, uh, some, some doctrine, some teaching, Lord, tonight. Father, maybe these are not church doctrines, but these are certainly uh, teachings, Lord, that, that just common wisdom, Lord, common things when it comes to being your child that we need to learn. And, and Father, if we'll take these truths and we'll apply them to our lives, Lord, we'll be, we'll be uh, much the richer for, and not necessarily financially richer, but spiritually richer. And, Lord, I pray tonight that you will help us tonight. Uh, Holy Spirit, help me to, uh, to bring these things out to light. And I pray, Lord, that you'll awaken our understanding and that you'll uh, put these things in place in our life where they need to be. And we'll just give you praise and glory for it right now, what you'll do. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. It's, again, like I said, it's, it's good just to be out of the house. Amen. It's, it's good to be here and, uh, and good to be preaching the Word of God tonight to you. Proverbs chapter 21, beginning there in verse 7, and we'll cover verses 7 through 12 tonight. Follow along with me there in your King James Bible. The Bible says there in verse 7, chapter 21, our second installment in chapter 21, it says, The robbery of the wicked shall destroy them because they refuse to do judgment. The robbery of the wicked shall destroy them. You know, the wicked love violence. And I'm talking about somebody, I'm not talking about somebody who, who maybe is a little backslid and got away from God a little bit. When God talks about the wicked, he's talking about the one who doesn't know him and doesn't really want to know him, has no interest in the things of God. And so that person, that person's not relying on the, 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 uh, the morality the Bible teaches. This person is not relying on uh, God's providence. They're not relying on uh, God's favor in their life. No, they've got the mindset that I've got one life, I've only got so much time, and there's so much stuff out there that people aren't paying attention to and taking care of, and I'm going to get all I can get. I'm not going to look out for anybody, but number one, myself. That's the attitude of the wicked. And the Bible says the robbery of the wicked shall destroy them. So they're going forward to try to get all they can get out of this life. They're going to see what they can do and and, and try to take advantage of situations for their own personal gain. And so, uh, and, and it doesn't matter what they have to use to get it. If they have to hurt you to get what they want, so be it. If they have to kill somebody to get what they want, so be it. If they can take advantage of you and take from you more than just your belongings, they'll do that too. Uh, you know, that, and you know what? This don't please God at all. God can't stand this. And, uh, you know, I know some people look at this world and they say, why would God allow these things at all? Well, God is... God allows free will. God allows men to choose either him or to choose their own way. And, and when they choose their own way, they don't have his power at all. They don't have his presence. They don't have his teaching. And, and so they're going to follow what they know, which is what their flesh teaches. And, and, and so and God allows them to go on in it because, again, he's not going to force them to serve him. Can you imagine what it would be like if God forced us to love him? If God, if we if we got up every day and we did not have a choice as to what we did, we only got up and we had to serve God. And there'd be some people that wouldn't want to serve God, and they'd have to do it against their will, begrudgingly. And and I don't think God wants anybody to come to Him that way. God doesn't want anyone to love Him uh, because they're forced to. And uh, and so again, the, the 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 way that a man who's wicked conducts himself is going to take him out. And God knows that. Nothing escapes God. God's not surprised by anything. And so God allows this person to go on in their wickedness. God doesn't stop him because, again, God's not going to take anybody's free will away. And God allows him to keep on going in it, and he's going to reap what he sows. It's as sure as, as that clock keeps ticking on the wall, that man is going, or that woman is going to reap what they have sown. Uh, you know, again, I praise God that that's only in this lifetime for me. That's only in this lifetime for you if you're a believer. But believe you me, if we sow to the flesh, the Bible tells us that we shall of the flesh reap corruption. And so if we sow to our own flesh in this life, 
even though God wouldn't necessarily consider us the wicked because we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. But as a child of God, and I want you to hear me tonight, if we choose to just go on and, and live how we want to live, God is going to allow the fruit of what we do to visit us in this lifetime because God won't punish us for our sins in the life to come. He'd have to send us to hell to do that. And if we're saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, by his blood, by his death, burial, and resurrection, then there's no way we're ever going to spend eternity in hell. There's no way we'll spend a second in hell. And there's no way we can pay for our sin in hell. So you'll pay for it in this lifetime. You'll suffer for your sin in this lifetime if you commit sin as a child of God. But the robbery of the wicked is going to wipe them clean. It's going to wipe them out. You know, and I think of somebody like old Judas, you know, the one that betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. He, he, was, he got that money, you know. He, he betrayed Jesus, went up there and gave him a big old smooch on the cheek and, and said, oh, uh, Master, and he just he's trying to be so sweet. And, and, and he was betraying Jesus to, to, the, to the authorities, turning him over for his, for his mock trial and crucifixion. And, uh, you know, once he realized what he had done, man, he was trying to get, I mean, he was ready to get rid of them 30 pieces of silver. If you remember, he took it back in there and he cast it down. He cast it. He cast it down. He didn't want it anymore. It had become a curse to him. He realized that he had betrayed innocent blood, and 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 so it, again, it became a curse. But he couldn't run away from his. He might could run away from the money he threw it down, but he couldn't run away from his conscience. He couldn't run away from his 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 conscience tortured him. It it, it, it eated him until he finally he. The Bible said he. He, uh, he tied a noose around something and ran, jumped off a cliff, and it flung him out there. And I guess he hit the rocks, and his, his bowels spilled out. And, I mean, it was just a horrible scene, horrible, gory scene. And what did he get? He got exactly what he had coming to him. The Bible said because they refused to do judgment. I mean, you know what? He, he could have he stopped himself. He could have turned around, but he didn't. And, uh, and because of that, he... You know, because he didn't do right, he had to suffer for it. And it isn't, it isn't only what the wicked do, but it's also what the wicked don't do. And uh, what they do is violence. You know, they, they, they'll rob you. They'll, they'll, they'll knock you in the head. They'll, they'll rape you. They'll, they'll murder you. They'll do all kinds of things. They'll steal everything you've got. But it's also what they don't do. Okay? They don't, they don't do justice. They don't do things right. They don't do things fairly. And... Uh, and, you know, God's not just worried about the things that you do, my friend. If you're out there and, you, and you're not, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your, as your personal Savior, it's not just what you, uh, what you do, it's what you don't do as well. And, and I want you to know something. God will pass judgment on both of them. You can't be good in God's eyes. You can't be right in God's eyes. You've got to come through the blood of Jesus Christ if you're going to be right in God's eyes. But like I said, the robbery of the wicked shall destroy him because they refuse to do judgment. They won't do right. Verse 8, the Bible says, The way of man is forward and strange, but as for the pure, his work is right. Let's break that down. First of all, we see there that the way of man, the way of man is forward and strange. That word forward is not a common word that you hear a lot, but I, I tell you, it, it means perverse. It means perverted is exactly what it means. And, and everybody, I don't care who they are, I don't care where they are, they are on a path. They're either on a path to success, they're on a path to happiness, they're on a path to, to joy, or they're on a path to misery, they're on a path to destruction, they're on a path to self-destruction. They're on some path. And, uh, and you know, and... and 
Some people walk a path that's pretty twisted. And now it's not twisted because of God. It's twisted because of them. And, and, and if you say, well, what if somebody else got them off track? Well, they listened to that somebody, didn't they? So it all comes down to who you listen to. And I'm going to listen to God because God's the one who made me, and God's the one who sent his son to save me. And so God's the one who wrote this book to me and gave me a spirit. And so I'm going to listen to the Lord, amen? You'd be wise to listen to God as well. And the Bible says because the way of man is, is forward. And again, forward is perverted. Man on his own is perverted. You may, and you may say, well, I know some pretty good people, and they don't go to church. And, and uh, But I'm going to tell you, you know what? They can be moral, but down deep in their hearts, my friend, if they don't have a right relationship with God, there is, their way is going to be perverse eventually. You cannot maintain a perfect, good, righteous life. It is impossible. The only one who ever did it was the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. That man, may, that, man that woman, they may present themselves to be just as morally pure as can be to the world, but I assure you, good neighbor, in that closet somewhere, there are some horrible skeletons. I can assure you of that. I mean, there are people all over this country. And the men go to the Mason's Lodge, uh, and they and they go down to that Mason's Lodge, and the world looks at them and says, "Oh, what a what an upstanding people!" But I'm gonna tell you something, good neighbor. You ain't been behind the walls. You don't know what goes on in there. I'm gonna tell you right now. You don't want to be a part of that stuff. Amen. Listen, that's, that that stuff pledges allegiance to things other than God, and God told us to swear not by an oath. Amen. But I, I'm telling you, and, and, and a lot of people say, "Well, that's that's secret." Again, it's 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 forward and strange. It's the way of man. It's not the way of God. That ain't in the Bible. <clears throat> Every life is on a path. And some people, like I said, some people are on a twisted one. Some people are on a perverse path. And, I, and, and you don't have to be a part of some lodge somewhere. You don't have to be a part of some club somewhere. You can think you got it all figured out on your own. There's plenty of people that's a part of, of, of all kinds of organizations in this world. Why do you think people would ever get involved with witchcraft? Why do you think people would ever get involved with Luciferianism or a satanic church or some kind of outfit? It's because they see that way or that path, and they say, oh, that right there, that'll suit me. And listen, anything to avoid doing it God's way, man will follow anything. Again, you know, this a sodomite lifestyle, how anybody, listen to me, how anybody could look at that and say, that's inviting to me. I mean, the, the, just the, the elements of what they do ought to make anybody run and puke. Listen, it ought to make anybody's stomach turn to look at the things that they do, but it's the way of man, and this world is eat up with it. The way of man is forward and strange. I'll tell you, we got people in this world that's crying out for pedophilia to be legal. People in this world crying out for bestiality to be legal. The Bible prophesied all this stuff was going to come true. It said, hey, in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. What does that mean? That means the same things, the same filthy sins that they were eat up with back then, people will be eat up with today, and they are. The way of man is forward and strange. You see, it's twisted in nature. Man's nature is twisted, but God, God tells us that there's a broad way which many people travel, and they travel it to their own doom. Many people do, God said. Let's listen to Jesus Christ himself on the subject. In Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14, Jesus tells, he told the people listening to him, to enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, 
and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many be there be which go in thereat. Many people, Jesus said, go in the broad gate, which leads to destruction. Why? It's wide. It's easy. There's no trouble whatsoever. I mean, it's as simple as, as, as getting on an elevator. It's just simply as, as simple as stepping on an escalator. It'll take you there. Hey, listen, everybody's going that way. And you know what? It's hard. It's hard, isn't it, good neighbor? When, some, when everybody's going a certain way and everybody's doing it the same way, it's hard, isn't it, just to step out of the crowd and say, no, that ain't God's way. Everybody's going to laugh at you. Everybody's going to poke their finger at you. Everybody's going to criticize you. Everybody's going to tell you you're a lunatic. They do me. I don't care. Let everybody laugh at me. Let everybody poke fun at me. I'm just going to stand there with Jesus and try to make him happy. The whole wide world can go to hell. I don't care. I'm going to do what God says. Amen? I'm going to follow the Lord. I don't care what the rest of the world does. Well, I do. I can't say that. I do care. But you know what? I can't stop them, and you can't either. Only one you can be responsible for is that one right there looking back at you in your mirror. And you know what? That's the one you need to focus on, the one you need to be taking care of, making sure they follow that follows God instead of everybody else and what everybody else thinks. The Bible says that road is broad, and many there be that find it. Well, it's easy. It's there. It's big. It's wide. It's a huge exit. There's plenty of signs that say, take this. Go this way. No, Jesus said, he said, listen, <clears throat> here's why. Because straight is the gate. doesn't mean S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. It means straight, like a straight, a tough thing to get through. Straight is the gate. You've got to try. You've got to squeeze through it. There's a, it takes effort to get through it. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way. You have to, and listen, it, it, everybody can't go at once. People got to go single file. You can't go with nobody. You got to choose to go. The Bible said, which leadeth unto life. You know what? Nobody accidentally finds their way to eternal life. You got to go there on purpose. You got to want the Lord Jesus. You got to love him. You got to realize what he did for you, and not only, not only realize it, there has, to be, there has to be some serious, deep love and appreciation for what God has done. Listen, nobody goes to heaven flippantly. Nobody says, I, I guess I'll go to heaven. I, 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 it's just as soon there's hell. Nobody goes that way. The Holy Spirit of God has to work on you and show you how lost you are. <coughs> good neighbor, let me tell you something. You know what may be good nobody's in here tonight? I can preach hard as I want to, and ain't nobody tell me nothing. Make faces. Nobody does anyway, but I can tell you, I'm going to rear back and preach, I do believe. You know what? There's a lot of people in our midst who are ready to go to hell. They're just happy with it. They don't care. It's as though, it's as though I've, you ever see a dog chasing a car? They got their ears pinned back, the tongues hanging out, and they're just running. They're not looking around. They're not looking to see what's coming from a side street. They're not looking to see what's ahead. They're not paying attention if that car is going to turn and run over them. They're just running, and that's what people are doing today. Because the way of a man's forward is strange. God says that gate's narrow, which leadeth unto life. And few, hear me, few, few, there be that find it. You wonder, am I in that few? Are you? I don't know. I'm asking you tonight. You say, how do I know? Well, have you had your sins forgiven? Have you had your sins washed in the only solvent that can get rid of your sin? 
and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus? That's all that really matters. Amen? Those who walk this crooked way that God is talking about, this forward, strange way, who's it strange to? It's strange to God because God is holy and perfect and righteous, and this way is not. This way is perverted, and you're not going to... You're not going to find God on that road. You see, God's not at the end of that road. God, God is at the end of this straight, this straight road, this narrow road. But the crooked road is the way of those that are guilty before God. The Bible said, but as for the pure, his work is right. Again, the crooked way belongs to the guilty man, but... but, but but right work, the Bible says, for that, for the pure, his work is right. So right work are good things. A life of, of, of good things it belongs to the pure man, not to make him pure, but because he has been made pure on the inside. And when, there's a, when, when that righteousness of the Lord dwells there, there is the fruit of that righteousness, which are those good works. It's not good works unto salvation. It's good works because of salvation. Again, what I'm trying to say to you, the path we walk, hear me now, hear what I'm about to say. The path that we walk displays who we are. Amen. You will not fool God. You, you walk the path that shows everybody around you and God Almighty who you are. If you're a child of God, people know that. If you are not saved but you're pretending, it shows you may think you're fooling people, but you're not because they can see that you don't care how God feels about your sin. You just go right on ahead and do it every day, all day long, as if there's no problem with it. You might want to check your salvation because, see, the Holy Spirit of God will bother the person that's saved. He won't let them just go on and do it with, without, without some kind of consequences. God is not going to let you roll in your sin like an old sow hog and get away with it day after day after day without any guilt, without any payment for what you're doing. God is going to cause us to realize that our sin is something that he absolutely despises. He already has done that when we, if we came to Jesus and to get salvation. Listen, there ought not be any denying that God hates our sin if, if you're a child of God. All right? Again, the path we walk displays who we are. The things that we allow into our life. Get that now, because we go, we go, and I'm going to preach about this Sunday too, so just go ahead and get ready for, for it, because I'm going to tell you right now, Sunday I'm going to drop a bomb off in the middle of here. I, I, God laid a message on me, and i got to preach it. i got to preach it whether it makes everybody in here mad. i got to preach it whether it makes me mad. I, I, God gave me a message. But I'm here to tell you, the things that we allow, the things that we go along with, the things that we are okay with, speak volumes about our love for God or our lack of love for God. You say, what do you say? Think that over. You think it over. God will ring your number if, 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 if he needs to. You know that? God knows where your doorbell is. If, God, if God's talking to you, he's more than capable of pointing out exactly what he's talking about. But let me say that one more time just in case. The things which we allow speak volumes about our love for God. You know, and, and I'll, I'll use this Sunday, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. The Bible tells us 
love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We can't love the world and love God at the same time. And I tell you right now, I see I see a lot of people who claim to be Christians who wear that title, and they love this world, and it's so prevalent in their life. They are eat up with this world and being just like everybody else and following the herd and not causing any ruffles amongst anybody's feathers. They just want to go lockstep with the world. And, and, and when I say the world, I'm talking about what the world calls religion. Quiet in here, and I know it's because ain't nobody here but me. But I can't help but think we ought to be quiet. We think about the things that we allow. Your choices speak as to whose you are. Verse 9, it's better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Ah, yeah. I tell you, boy, that, 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 that doesn't set well with feminists, I can tell you. But that's okay. Uh, you know, feminists, they need to get right with God. Um, if if you got a problem with what God said, you need to get right with God. But God's telling us, and I believe God's certainly addressing men here when he says this. He said it's better, y'all, to dwell in the corner of a housetop. Now, living in the Western world, when we when we hear that, now if you live... If you live in a big city and you think on the corner of the housetop, you may think on the very top of your high-rise skyscraper that you live in and up there where the air conditioning units are and all that stuff. But that's not exactly what we're talking about here. But it's certainly not these pitched roofs with shingles on them and uh, hips and valleys and eaves and all that. That's not what, what God's referring to here when he when Solomon wrote this. He said it's better to dwell in the corner of the housetop, and he's referring to the type of houses that were prevalent in that day. And those houses had a a patio-type area on the roof. So there was an area up there where maybe there was like a small seat, a sitting area. There would be a place up there where they would maybe have a few uh, plants set out to, to grow herbs and things. Uh, there'd be a little little small garden area, a little sitting area on top of the roof. It'd be a flat roof area. but And, and you know, that's okay for sitting up, up there and having morning coffee or tea or whatever you're having or having a, having a lunch or something like that. But it's not a great place to live. You know, it's, it's small compared to living downstairs in the house. It's kind of confined. There's walls around it and everything. And, and it's exposed to the elements because, I mean, if it rains, uh, you know, you're on the roof. If it snows, you're on the roof. Uh, you know, if it hails, if it sleets, you're on the roof. And so, you know, in a lightning storm, where are you at? You're on the roof in the lightning storm. So, uh, you know, it's not really like that's the best place to live. But in some circumstances, the corner of the housetop is the best place to live. It's a better place to live. <clears throat> and, again, like I said, in these in these countries, back then the roof was flat and, and, and plain, and you could live on it, but, but, again, it's exposed to the weather. I mean, you're exposed to the sun beating down on you every day. Again, if it's raining all day long, you're just up there getting wet all day long. And understand what Solomon is saying here. Solomon is saying that a man would be better off living outside, out in the, under the heat of the sun, exposed to the wind and the rain and all the bad weather, huddling in a corner 
he'd be better off there than to, and, and to have a little bit of ease and a, and a little bit of comfort than to live in a comfortable house with a contentious woman that's always arguing and fighting with him. I'm going to step back and let that marinate. That's what God's Word says, friend. That's what God's Word says. Does that mean what, does that mean I'm going to climb up on my 8 and 12 pitch house if, if my, me and my wife get in a fight? No, I don't have 8 and 12 pitch, but I'm just saying. I mean, is that what God's saying? Well, maybe he's saying go, go sit in your pickup truck. Maybe he's saying go sit on the back porch. Maybe he's saying you need to go off your little spot in the woods and set a while. But what God is saying that, is that a man is better off finding him a spot to go and get some peace and quiet than to stay and fight constantly with a woman in the house. That's what he's saying. And, you know, and the Bible refers to her in, in, in some other places. Here he, God refers to her as, as brawling. <laughs> and we like a brawling, we like a, people throwing haymakers and things of that nature. But I, I don't really think that's what Solomon is referring to. I don't think Solomon's saying, you know, get out of there before your wife knocks your block off. But what he's saying, uh, again, contentious and brawling, it's just the idea of a constant battle, a constant fight, a constant nag, a constant gripe, a constant you're wrong, a constant nah, nah, nah. And you know what? There are some men who'd rather stay at work because when they get off work, what do they got to do? They got to come home and listen to that. Amen. And you say, preacher, you sure are being hard on women. I'm just telling you, not all women are like that. And praise God for the good, godly women who aren't like that. But I'm going to tell you something. If you are a woman sitting at home listening to this and you nag and gripe at your husband, you say, but you don't know him. That doesn't mean that that's your role. You say, you don't understand how sorry he is. You know what? If, if you've got a problem with your man, let me tell you what you can do. I'm going to tell you how to, I'm going to tell you how to fix him if you've got a if you got a bad problem with your man like that, and and he's just he's constantly on your nerves, and he's never getting anything uh, done that you want done. He's never uh, doing right. You say I don't know what to do, but to gripe and fuss. Here's what you do if you want to fix it. Are you ready? Okay, hush. You say I wasn't ready for that. That wasn't what I expected. If you don't stop talking, God can't get a word in edgewise. If you don't stop nagging, God will not deal with him. You are in the way. If you will step aside, and I don't mean leave the home, I mean if you will step aside and stop fighting with your husband, if you'll stop riding him constantly, if you'll stop trying to be his mama, if you'll stop trying to be his boss, if you'll just hush and step back and get on your knees and bow your head before your holy, righteous God and pour out every gripe and complaint that you have against that man to your righteous and holy heavenly Father. I assure you, he already knows everything that's wrong with that man. But I got some news for you. Here's what's going to happen when you do that, okay? When you do that and you begin to pour your heart out to God and telling him all the things that's wrong with your husband, God is going to begin... To, to then pour out his, his Holy Spirit on you and show you where you're wrong. And he's going to show you what you need to change and how you need to be submissive and how you need to obey and do what he says and let God deal with him. And then when you get to that point, then see, now you let God fight your battles and you don't have to. You let him take care of it. 
Uh, you let God deal with your husband. I can assure you, if you're being the kind of wife that God commands you to be, and you are pouring him on the altar of God day in and day out, God is going to wring him out like an old dish rag, and he ain't going to know what hit him. Amen? But I can assure you that God does not want you to fight with your husband. The word contentious, which we see in other scriptures, that word contentious, it means apt to contend or apt to fight, given to an angry debate, ready to fight with him, quarrelsome. And the word, other word there is perverse, which, and the reason it's perverse, it's not perverted in a, in, a, in a sexual sense, like we think of somebody being a pervert. It means you are perverting God's picture. You're perverting God's picture of the husband and wife and the way it's supposed to be. So that's perverse to God. So God said it's better, husband, instead of continuing perpetuating that situation, just go get somewhere where you can get some peace and quiet and get away from the situation because if you stay in it, you're only going to make it worse. All right? And he said it's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than, to, than with a brawling woman in a wide house. So to live in, to have the whole house but to live in the constant conflict with a contentious woman is misery. It's misery. Or uh, let me just flip this around for a second. If you are a, a woman who's living in a constant situation with a contentious man who's always trying to provoke a fight with you, again, you're in a miserable situation. And what do you do in that situation? You Again, you lay him on God's altar. You turn him over to the Lord and let God ring him out, and God will. You know, somebody would be a whole lot better off living in a more humble living situation and having peace in the home than to have a house full of good things but having no peace there. The Bible talks about the contentious woman. Let me just touch on this for a second. I know there's some women saying, boy, I wish you'd get your foot off the gas pedal, but just let me hear, just hear me out. I'm going to get done with it. When it says the contentious woman here, realize, too, that this word woman here is kind of ambiguous. It doesn't necessarily refer to the wife. It can, it can be referring to somebody else in the household. Maybe, maybe his mom has moved in, and she is constantly being contentious and arguing with the daughter-in-law. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it's the grandmother that's moved in with the family, and she's not happy, and she's constantly barking and bickering and carrying on. And, or it's, maybe it's the wife's mother, the mother-in-law. Or maybe it's your teenage daughter who will give nobody any rest constantly in the house. God don't want any of that. Understand that. God is not for that. <clears throat> Proverbs 11, listen to what God's for. Proverbs eleven sixteen. the Bible said, A gracious woman retaineth honor. Hey, you want to be honorable? Be gracious. How do you be gracious? It's the opposite of arguing and fighting. It's always saying, you know, I'd rather have peace than to fight. And, and again, that's letting God have it. That's not you taking the reins, but letting God handle it. Proverbs eleven twenty two. It said, as a jewel of gold in a swine snout, so is a fair woman, which is without discretion. So you can be beautiful on the outside, but again, if you don't know how to act, it makes you ugly. That's what God's saying there. Your 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 countenance shows. It's like a, a jewel of gold in a swine's snout. Well, it's a pretty jewel, but what's it doing in a hog's nose? And again, you got beauty, but you got no you got no uh, 
you got no interview if, if you're constantly fighting and bickering, you know. So, but but the wife is probably what's really intended, regardless, uh, you know, what we what we see here. Proverbs twelve four it talks about a virtuous woman being a crown to her husband. Again, you know, he may be a good man, but boy, if he's got a a good godly woman by him by his side, he's it's like a crown to him. It, it, it just it absolutely accentuates his whole life. But the Bible says, "She that maketh ashamed, she that maketh ashamed." Again, he's he's afraid to let people around her. Why? Because he don't know how she's going to act. She may embarrass him in front of everybody and ruin his reputation. Bible says she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness to his, in his bones. He, again, he don't want anybody to know how she acts. Proverbs 19, 13, and 14, the foolish son is the calamity of his father and the contentions of a wife are a con- continual dropping. Again, it's just like constant, like, like you go going to see if you can get out there and work in the garden or see if you can get out and mow the yard or go to the window see if you can do anything. And it's just constantly raining. It's like, oh, no. That's the way a man feels if he's got a constant bickering at home, a constant battle every time he goes in the house. Verse 10, the soul of the wicked desireth evil. His neighbor findeth no favor in his eyes. The soul of the wicked desireth evil. It's kind of like, kind of like the first verse that we read. Again, they they just want evil. They want to do evil. Again, why? Because they have no love of God in them. There's there's no desire in them to do right. When the wicked man or the wicked woman does evil, it's because they desire it. You know, I have no desire to eat dog food, but my dog does because he's a dog. It's his nature. And, that again, it's his nature to eat stuff like that. It's not mine. I don't want it. I don't eat them things. Dog food, Lord knows what that's made out of. But again, I don't have a desire for it. He does, and, and uh, you know, and, and the wicked man, he has no desire, he has no taste for the things of God. But he has plenty of taste for the things that are wicked, the things of this world. And uh, again, a person's inward corruption, it, it, how wicked they are, what's going on inside of them, it, it's expressed through the things that they crave and they want in their life. You know, I ain't got no desire to to uh, to go to the liquor store and buy a bottle of liquor and get drunk. I have no desire whatsoever to pour alcohol into my body. But you know what? The person that does, listen, there's plenty of people who drive by there. They wouldn't keep them places open. But I, I don't have any desire for that. You say, why? Because, I, listen, I watched what it did to my daddy. I've seen what it's done to my friends. I, I've watched too many people ruin their lives. I've seen too many people that beat their wife up or beat their girlfriend up. Why? Because they drank and they got too much of that stuff in them and it, couldn't, it wasn't them anymore. It was just alcohol controlling them. Again, I've, I've known a lot of people. I grew up, I had a kid that ran the neighborhood where I ran in, and I can assure you half of the trouble, probably probably more like 65 70% of all the trouble I got into as a child is due to my association with that one person who lived in our neighborhood. I was talking to my mom about that the other night. There's a kid, uh, a kid named Damon, and he, he might as well have been named Demon because he certainly led everybody off into a hellish existence. And, uh, you know, again, he, he was always... He was always trying to get us to do something that was that we shouldn't have been doing. And, and again, there's a lot of you had friends like that, people that you knew in school, and uh, you look back on it and say, boy, I wish I had to run with them because they sure led me into a lot of things I can't forget. And, uh, again, the soul of the wicked desire thing, it don't, it don't, want, nothing, it don't want good. It wants, you can't take them to church. They don't want church. They're afraid the church building to fall in on them. 
They, they want to stay far from the Word of God. They don't want the Bible read around them. Keep that away from them. But, yeah, if you want to go party and, 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 uh, and get into some trouble somewhere, they'd be first in line. And, uh, you know, an important truth to remember about the word depravity, which means men are, are horrible sinners, men, men don't sin just because they're weak. Men sin because they're eager to do it and they're ruthless at doing it. I mean, this is, a, this is a pretty good picture of the way Satan operates. Listen to what Jesus said. John eight forty four. he said, Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. He, don't, he, he not only does evil, he craves evil. The wicked man's the same way. He don't just do evil, he craves evil. He sits and plots and thinks about things he can do to hurt somebody else later on. <clears throat> and, and it's natural to him. It's not unnatural. It's very natural because it's in their nature to be wicked. The soul of the wicked desireth evil. And, and the second half of that verse says, his neighbor findeth no favor in his eyes. God help. I'm glad I'm not neighbors with a wicked, evil man. Thank God if you're not, and if you are, I, you ought to move or see if you can find out a way to get them to move because that's a bad place to be, to be a neighbor of a wicked man. Uh, because, because they ain't going to get along with you. They're going to find a reason that they can't get along with you. Unless you're just as bad off as they are, they're going to find reasons to look at you and say, I don't like them, I don't trust them. Them people go to church. Them people them people live for God. That makes me nervous. I don't want to be around people like that. You know, again, they look they look upon everybody else, and they don't have any favor in their eyes toward anybody else. They look at everybody else as a way to get something or a way to enrich themselves. And, and we need to be careful uh, just to keep people like that at, at, at arm's length. I mean, we need to love them for Christ, but we need to be careful about letting them make inroads into our lives because they're looking for a way to hurt you. You need to you need to reach them with Jesus, but you need to be careful. The Bible says be harm wise as serpents but harmless as doves. So God's warning us about the wicked. We need to share Jesus with them, yes. We need to win them all to Jesus Christ, but there's a bunch of them who ain't going to want anything to do with him, and you need to be wary and be careful. And that's what God's warning you about. Uh, verse 11, we're going to go to verse 12, so I need to I need to get to trucking on this. Verse 11, when the scorner is punished, Boy, I tell you what, it's a good day when a scorner gets punished. And you say, who's the scorner? Well, we'll look at that in a second. When the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise. And when the wise is instructed, he receiveth knowledge. So the first part of that, when the scorner is punished. Who's the scorner? The scorner is the one. The, the scorner is somebody who has been making fun and mocking for a very long time. That's somebody who has laughed at truth for a very long time. They've spent a lifetime of shooting down everything that's righteous and holy and laughing at it and making jokes and everything else. So there's degrees. I want you to see in this verse here, there's degrees to fools. There's degrees to fools and their foolishness. <coughs> Again, like I said, the scoffer has been hardened. He's hardened, just like you, again, you, you, uh, if you use a shovel every day, okay? If you use a shovel every day, 
right along here on the inside of your hands, you're going to start getting calluses where you're gripping that shovel and sinking it down into the ground time after time. If you swing a hammer every day, you're going to develop calluses on your hands. If you work in any kind of construction field, you're going to develop calluses on your hands. And uh, and as a scoffer goes about his way of mocking God, he wears calluses on his heart. He, he has calluses on his mind. He's hardened like calluses by his rejection of wisdom. Wisdom can't sink in. Why? Because he has calluses where he ought to be softened to be able to re- receive uh, God's wisdom. There's calluses on his heart. He don't want it. And on the other hand, we have in this the same verse of Scripture here, it says when the scorner is punished, then the simple is made wise. So there's two groups. There's the scorner and there's the simple. The simple is naive. They, they haven't had much experience. They haven't been out very much. They don't know much, and so they're easily fooled. And so... Again, they may follow along the scorner. Scorner, why? Because they think that guy's cool. Hey, listen, hey, hey, listen to his cool comments and his comebacks and all that. Again, they may think, hey, what, you know, he's kind of cool to hang around with. But again, if they got any hope for themselves at all, they can learn some wisdom when they see the scoffer get punished because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I was sitting there thinking about this this when I was preparing this message. I remember when I was in high school, you know, you have the D.A.R.E. program, and uh, they send law enforcement in new school, and they talk to you about the dangers of drugs and alcohol. And, you know, a lot of times they'll 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 bring a, a car that's been in a horrible accident, uh, you know, a drug or alcohol-related crash, and they'll bring that out of that, uh, that, that automobile and they'll set it on the school property, and it's been crunched up and, mangled and, and you know and, and and people walk by and they look at that and they go oh my gosh I, I, I never want to, I don't ever want to drink and drive because I don't want to end up like that or I don't ever want to I don't ever want to take drugs and get behind a wheel of an automobile because I don't want to wind up like that and hopefully somebody has enough wisdom to say you know that that it'll kill somebody so I want to make sure I don't do that you know if you see if you see the results in somebody else hopefully God will give you enough insight and you have enough a wisdom that, that's, that's, that's being imparted to you by, by God and people who care that it'll get through to you and you say, hey, I don't need to do that. So the simple can, the simple can, uh, he can receive knowledge if, if, if he's instructed, if he'll receive that instruction. Because, again, wise people, wise men and women, they don't need to learn everything from their own misery. They can learn it, sometimes they can learn it from, the, from uh, watching other people. But sometimes, just sometimes, it's wonderful when somebody tells you, they give you some instruction, and they say, listen, I know for a fact that if you, that if you drink or, or take drugs and get behind the wheel of an automobile, the likelihood of you dying in a crash is, is very elevated. You know, and, and oftentimes people will take that in and say, you know, that's that's good thinking. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna drink and drive. I'm not gonna t- uh, take a, a drugs and drive. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live my life being governed by those things. And so I'm not gonna destroy my life. So you can, again, and, and other things of that nature. You know, you know, don't cheat on your wife. Don't, don't, don't gamble all your money away. Don't, don't, uh, you know, don't, don't waste your life chasing after the things of this world. There's plenty of things to be warned about. 
You know, there's the there's the, the, the warning of somebody who, who who sits and plays church and plays patty cake with God. They never serve God. They just given God lip service. And somebody needs to warn some Christians to get up off their duff and do something for God before that clock runs out. He calls us home and we stand there with empty hands. What have you done for God lately? I ask you, good neighbor. I'm talking to everybody on Facebook. I'm talking to everybody on Blog Talk Radio. What are you doing for God? What are you doing to say thank you for all the things God has done for you? The simple learn. The simple learn wisdom. They learn from the punishment of wicked men, and they learn from watching the prosperity of godly men. And I'm going to finish now verse 12. Verse 12 says, The righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked, but God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. The first half of that said, The righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked. Again, that seems like a continuation of verse 11. This is, again, this is, this is not the simpleton. This is the wise man. This is the righteous man. This is the man who's been saved. This is the man who knows God. This is the man who believes God when he, when he tells him something. And, and he knows, the righteous man knows that the Lord is a righteous God. And, and what happens to the wicked, you know, it, it's not lost on the righteous. The, you know, I can, I can look and, 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 you know, I was blessed to go to school with a lot of different people. You know, I, I went to, uh, went to uh, North Lamar High School in Paris, Texas. And I have I've seen them bury a whole bunch of my classmates. Now, I'm 54 years old. And 54 is not all that old. And uh, dying at 54 or younger seems to me like uh, quite a loss. I, I, I look at my life now. I have a three-year-old daughter. If I should die today, you know, her life is going to be pretty uh, affected by the loss of her daddy. So, I, you know, again, dying at 54 seems a little bit young. But yet I knew a lot of people in school. And... Uh, <clears throat> You know, there were some of them who made some horrible choices and died while we were still in high school. I can think of two individuals right now that I was friends with who for some foolish, silly reason, and maybe it didn't seem foolish or silly to them at the moment, but both of them hung themselves, committed suicide. And in both times it was because they were angry and upset. It could have it could have ended so much differently. But Neither one of those people were close to God. I know that. I was friends with them. I, I know the, the situation. And, uh, you know, I, look at their, I looked at their lives. I saw what happened to them, and I, I thought to myself, you know, my life's bad, but it's not that bad. I've gone through some pretty tragic things, but nothing to ever make me want to end my own life. You know, and I, and I wisely considered what I saw in their life, and I said, you know, no matter how bad it gets, I don't ever want to go down that road. And, uh, you know, God, God will give you some insight by looking at other people and the calamities and the tragedies in their lives. And there were people who died in, in uh, needless uh, car accidents because of drinking and driving and, and just because of uh, drug life, drug lifestyles and things of that nature. And, and you know, and looking back on them, I, so many of them are gone now. And I believe God allows us to to uh, have those people that we're, we're always associated with so we can look back and see 
hey, there's a lot of them aren't with us anymore because of some bad, bad decisions that they made. And, uh, you know, the Bible says the righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked. You know, God considers them. God considers them. He looks at them with his perfect wisdom and his justice, and he sees that their calamity is coming. And, and, and you know, we may see people who, who the, you know, everything looks so good in their life. It looks like, well, they're just, they just got everything, uh, all their ducks are in a row, and, and, and they're just prosperous as they can be. And, and But they're living wicked, and we say, you know, how they keep on going like that? I just don't understand how God would bless somebody who's living the way they're living. But here's what you need to know. God knows what's coming. You don't know. They don't even know what's coming. But God knows what's coming. And since God knows what's coming, it doesn't bother him that they're presently enjoying prosperity because that's all they're ever going to enjoy. And, you know, he knows that soon – Everything in their life is going to be turned on its head. Soon, everything's going to be a calamity. And because of that, God doesn't fret about it. God doesn't worry about it. God wouldn't worry anybody. If God, uh, wouldn't worry anyway. If God ever worried, this world would cease to exist. Because God doesn't worry about a thing. God's perfect. But, you know, David didn't worry about when he saw it seemed like good things happened to evildoers. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 37, 1 and 2. He said, fret not thyself because of the evildoers. I'm not supposed to worry about what's happening with them. He said, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. He said, but, but they're getting away with everything. And we look at this world. Hear me right now. I'm about to close this thing up, but I want to say this to you. We look at the wicked people running this world today. We look at our own government full of criminals full of absolute, dastardly, wicked, hellish criminals who are fleecing the American public. And my friends, let me tell you this before I get off of here. They are, they are bringing over mercenaries from other places to our country, and they are teaching them how to kill us. And that day is coming when the overthrow of America is coming. There are wicked evildoers everywhere who are looking to prosper. And they may very well turn this country into a chaos-filled uh, madhouse. And we may all go up in flames. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't worry about what's going on. I don't worry about their success because I know my Savior is coming. I know that he is coming back for me. He's coming back for you if you're saved. And I don't worry about what, they, what they're doing and because I know where they're headed. I know what's coming to them eventually. God says, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. You know, God takes care of all that. It's in his hands. The Bible says, but God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. The wicked are judged. They're already been, they've already been judged. It's not that they're just going to be judged. They've already been judged. Proverbs thirteen six: Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way. I'm kept. Amen. Are you kept? If you're in Jesus, you're kept. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. Whatever judgment they receive is going to fit their actions. Believe me, good neighbor, God has got it all written down. God has all got it recorded, and he's going to sort it all out. You say, what I need to do, get your eyes and put them on Jesus. Love him, serve him, 
yield to him, submit to him, look at this world for what it is and turn away from it and and, and walk in his steps and, 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 and serve serve him and, and love others for his sake because he's coming soon. It's been good to be with you tonight. I want to pray with you before we get off, before we get done here, and I want to ask God to bless you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I'm thankful tonight. I'm thankful for everyone who's watched tonight, who's who's tuned into the broadcast and who's listened in. Lord God, I know that there are needs that our people have. Father, healing. I pray, Father, you touch them, each and every one of them, Lord, from the weakest and to the to the one who's feeling the best. I pray, Lord, you'd bless each one of them in, in a way that only you know how they need to be blessed. And, Father, I just pray, Lord, for those that are not our church members, Lord, that they've been watching us and tuning in and uh, and being a part of things by watching. Father, I pray you'd bless them as well. Lord, I pray, Father, if if, if the occasion so arises, Father, that they would come and, and be here in person with us and enjoy the fellowship of our church. Lord, it's sweet fellowship we have here. Help us, Lord, to serve you and walk into your steps. And, and, and Lord God, I just pray, Father, that you put your you put your power on us, Lord. That your Holy Spirit, that you give us unction to do the things that Christ would have us to do, Lord. That we can't do without you. And we just pray tonight that you that you'll help us to use these things that we've learned and studied, Lord. That you might apply them in our lives, Father, and help us to uh, live a life that reflects who lives in us. Lord God, please give us courage, give us wisdom, help us, Lord, to express your love to other people. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Bless us now. In Christ's name we pray. God bless you, and may you have a wonderful and blessed evening. And we'll see you.